Our focus must be riveted on the Savior and His gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto Him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. When we draw His power into our lives, both He and we will rejoice. Kia ora whanau. Welcome to the special podcast and thank you for tuning in. My name is Amos Jonay and I'm here with Bishop Matthew Jonay of the Parangi Award of the Temple View Stake in Hamilton. This is about dealing with pornography in the latter days. So I'll be asking Bishop Matthew Jonay some questions and he'll be answering them for us. So Bishop, first question. I'm actually interested in why you've studied about pornography. What led you to learning about it? Great question, Amos. So when I went to university, I learned about substance and behavioral addictions. And there was something really interesting about addiction to pornography because I remember a talk that President Hinckley had given about a letter he received from a brother in the church that said he had been addicted to cocaine, but his addiction to pornography was by far the hardest to overcome and to get out of his life. So pornography seems to be something that not only is it highly addictive, there are elements of pornography that make it very difficult to quit. And so that's where I think the understanding and the study around how pornography affects our mind really began in my life. And the fact that I'm working with youth as a bishop those things combined empower me to offer some solutions and some, some advice and some insights on addictions and specifically on the addiction of pornography. So that's where I'm coming from. So my next question for our listeners, the YSA, what actually is pornography? What counts as pornography? What isn't pornography? Just a bit of clarity on that. That's a great place to start. In the dictionary... Pornography is defined as a representation of sexual behavior in books, pictures, statues, films, and other media that is intended to cause sexual excitement. On the church web, pornography is defined as any material depicting or describing the human body or sexual conduct in a way that arouses sexual feeling. So Bishop, from what you've just taught us about what pornography actually is. We can see it's out there. I like to turn to scripture for things like this. And so I've done that. I've got to open the topical guide right here. This is here, pornography. See, carnal mind, evil, sexual immorality, sin and temptation. And when I look up those references in the topical guide and the index, I get the stories. I, I get the references that it gives me. It's, it teaches us that sexual sin's bad and these bad things happened. But when I look up these references, I feel like it's not specific to pornography. So I wondered, can you shed some light on, on where in Scripture, or if, if there is anywhere in the Scripture that speaks specifically of pornography? Yes, that's an interesting question, Amos, because you do look up in the topical guide pornography, and it has no Scriptures per se to refer us to. It just mentions four or five other topics that are linked to the pornography topic. But pornography is not specifically mentioned in the scriptures for a very good reason. Pornography did not exist when the scriptures that we currently have were written. As it says on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints website, pornography is more prevalent in today's world than ever before. Most of the scriptures we have are Old Testament. We've got the Old Testament, which is by far the longest book, 
Then we've got the Book of Mormon, which is all Old Testament text up till 3rd Nephi, including Ether, an Old Testament text. And then we've got the Book of Pearl of Great Price, Book of Abraham, Book of Moses, both Old Testament texts. So apart from the Doctrine and Covenants and a couple of books in the Book of Mormon and the New Testament, we've all got Old Testament texts. So let's look at the non-Old Testament texts. The New Testament was written just after Christ, within around 100 years after the life of Christ. So the New Testament is 1900 years old. And then that leaves us with uh, the two books in the Book of Mormon, which are both 1400 years plus older. And that leaves us with the Doctrine and Covenants, which itself is still well over 100 years, apart from the manifestos, which are more recent. So all of the scripture that we currently have in the canon is all over 100 years old. So remembering the definition of pornography is a representation of sexual behavior in books, pictures, statues, and other media. And according to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints definition, pornography is material depicting sexual conduct that is distributed through media, including magazines, books, television, movies, music, and the internet. So without recent technology to produce, copy, distribute, books, pictures, videos, pornography was very limited. After all, until the 15th century, most common people could not read. There was no taking of photos until the 1830s. There was no printing press until the 1440s. So pornography is a very modern phenomenon, more modern than people think, because the progress of pornography is relied upon technology. For instance, color pictures, video, and I think the biggest technological breakthrough that pornographers relied upon is the internet. So when we look up how conference reports have addressed and discussed the topic of pornography, for instance, pornography was not mentioned in general conference until 1950, where it was mentioned four times in that decade. Then it wasn't until the 1970s where it was mentioned 74 times in that decade. But the greatest mentions by far of pornography was between the years 2000 and 2010, where it was mentioned 165 times in that 10-year period. So when you look at those dates that pornography was most mentioned in general conference, they correspond to those technological advancements that pornography used to really take off. The 1970s where people got personal video machines, where TV and videos became colour and where magazines became more popular and cheaper distributed in colour. And then we had the year 2000s when the internet really took off. So I think it's very clear that the brethren, our prophets and apostles, have been aware of the dangers of pornography and they've been talking to those dangers and warning us and preparing us to avoid such things as pornography. So when we consider that question of are the scriptures silent on the topic of pornography, I think it's ironic. Yeah, the Old Testament might be quite silent on the topic of pornography. Maybe the New Testament's silent. Maybe the Doctrine of Covenants doesn't say a whole lot that we could refer to. But to me, it is very comforting to know that the modern-day problems that we face we are being warned about and taught about by our modern-day prophets, our current watchmen on the towers. 
We must all remember that as our current orators, our current prophets, seers and revelators, who mean most to us. We will be warned about our current floods by our current prophets. So my next question is, what really is so bad about pornography? Why I say especially in, the, in this time we're talking about the viewing pornography, reading pornography, whatever. Is it really that bad if they're not going to go and participate in those things? Because those are two different things, aren't they? For example, we've all heard parents, they freak out at their children wanting to play these shooting video games or wanting to watch these violent fighting movies. And I've heard parents say, oh my gosh, if my kid watches that, then they're going to be this violent ninja going around kicking people at school or they're going to grow up and they're going to go shoot people. We've all heard that. So how is that any different to viewing pornography? Because I've got friends that watch those movies, play those games, and they're not out there killing people. In fact, they're some of the kindest people I know. So how is it that viewing or reading or whatever pornography if it doesn't translate into the action what makes it so bad that is an awesome question there is a difference a very big difference between pornography and all of the other things that you mentioned like shooting people like kicking people like violence like speeding the difference is in our moral compasses we're not wired the same for all of those aspects that you mentioned. It is comparatively easy for most people to get the socially appropriate constructs associated with fighting, the use of firearms, or speeding on the road. There are clear rules and guidelines, do's and don'ts, that most will accept, but there is a distinct difference with sexuality. Sex is not wrong. It is not socially inappropriate or socially unacceptable. It is quite the opposite. It is both highly expected and anticipated in life, in the world's eyes and within a marriage relationship in God's eyes. And this is the difference. Punching and kicking, shooting people and driving as fast as a car will go are all inherently wrong acts that almost all people understand. And they will avoid them. And they'll avoid them because they know they're socially unacceptable behavior. There has been study after study done that clearly establishes the fact that people will go to great lengths to act inappropriately according to social norms. But the difference with all of those other aspects and sexes or pornography is that it is a social norm. So when pornography is viewed, we connect with it in different ways than we will connect with violence and shooting people and speeding. So when you say you watch violent movies or you watch speeding in a car, it is very unlikely that you're going to go around kicking people. However, pornography is very different. When you view pornography, feelings are aroused in you, chemicals are released in you. So biologically, we react to what we're seeing in very real and very powerful ways. Elder Holland would say the most powerful passion that we possess. And apart from this, the things that you raise only what Nephi calls part truth. They involve part sin because it's only taking into consideration actions. Actions are not the only way we can sin. Nor do we act in isolation, nor do we think in isolation. We can't see things and disassociate our bodies to these things. They're hardwired together. So our bodies and our minds work together according to what it sees, according to what it feels, according to the chemicals that are released. According to Elder Maxwell, 
our thoughts drive our actions. So we might say, I'm only viewing pornography and that will not translate into actions or I'm not currently acting out because of my pornography viewing. We can't actually say that. We can't promise that. We can't maintain that. Elder Oaks made some interesting comments on this exact topic. In April 2005, in a talk entitled Pornography, Elder Oaks said, Pornography impairs one's ability to enjoy a normal, emotional, romantic, and spiritual relationship with a person of the opposite sex. It erodes the moral barriers that stand against inappropriate, abnormal, or illegal behavior. As conscious is desensitized, patrons of pornography are led to act out what they have witnessed, regardless of its effects on their life and the life of others. Now to spell out exactly what Elder Oaks was saying there, let's break it down. There have been case studies after case studies of people that have been addicted to pornography report that they cannot achieve personal sexual arousement anymore. Imagine that. They have lost their agency due to severe abuse. It is exactly how Satan operates. And this is where pornography leads its patrons. The sexual excitement that is created from viewing pornography creates a cascade of chemicals that will make the viewer desire sexual gratification. It is hard to turn that off. So we could say, what's so bad about pornography? It's not like I'm going to do those things. We can't say those things. We can't promise those things. We don't know what will happen. We're playing with fire. So Bishop, we've just discussed how spiritually damaging pornography can be. It really damages our spiritual well-being. And in the church, it's something that we use to give ourselves a sense of where we are spiritually. We use our temple recommend interviews, right? And, and holding a temple recommend, going to the temple. So my next question is to do with just that. On one end of the continuum, we have YSA and members in general, but let's focus on YSA, that have never wanted to see pornography, they've never viewed it, and they probably never will. And then on a complete opposite end of the spectrum, you have YSA that are completely addicted to it. And then in the middle of this long continuum, we have YSA that might dabble in it. They may have seen it a couple times and they keep remembering it, whatever it might be. Okay, so there's this big continuum. And we are all on that continuum. So Bishop, my hard question here is, where on that continuum can I get my temple recommend and attend the temple? So the question around this continuum and when are we ready to worthily enter into the temple and have a temple recommend? An awesome question. We qualify for a temple recommend and we are worthy to enter into the temple through God's grace. But we need to be willing to accept it. We need to change our hearts, open our hearts, so we can receive what's already there. And that will require some work, and it will be different for everyone. The work is changing our heart. The work is repenting and working our hardest to overcome that temptation and that sin and become worthy. So where that line is on the continuum will be different for everyone. But we will all need to open our hearts and invite Christ in. Just like the picture most people have seen that was written from the book of Revelation. Christ standeth at the door and knocketh. And the door handle is on our side. We are the ones 
that open the door, but Christ knocks and he knocks. He loves us. He's performed this perfect atonement and he wants to support us and help us. He wants to carry us. So there is one set of footprints in the sand and it is up to us to allow him to do that. We allow him to pick us up and carry us by saying, Christ, I need you. I can't do it alone. And that's when we're ready and able, when we allow him to pick us up and he will take us into position. We will feel the atonement working in our lives and we can then know we are getting ready. We are close. And there will come a time where we say, I feel worthy. I'm ready. And it's your bishop's position and opportunity to support you in that journey. And they'll be there for you and they can help when that time has come. And they will stand there full of encouragement and love, representing Christ as a judge in Israel. And you can know with a surety that you're clean, that you're ready, and entering into the temple and worthily holding a temple recommend. You can know that Christ loves you, he watches over you, that his atonement is real, that grace is there for you, and we are not expected yet to be perfect, but we are expected and asked to perform a work, to repent, and to turn to him, for he is mighty to save. Thank you for that answer, Bishop. I, I really felt the Spirit. So my next question, Bishop, this is probably the question. This is the one. This is what will help YSA. We've talked about this continuum, and on the extreme end of the, the continuum, we've got YSA that are completely addicted to pornography, and all in between, you know, viewing it casually with friends, so on and so forth. Now, I guarantee you, Bishop, that 100% of the YSA that have viewed pornography want to quit. They don't want to watch it anymore. They want that temple recommend. But what's tough, Bishop, is that I could also probably guarantee you that the majority, if not all, of those that have and that want to give up have struggled to do so in the past. They've tried and they've always failed. They've tried again, they failed again. And I guarantee also that the majority, if not all of them, that have tried and failed are too embarrassed or feel too much guilt to come to people like you, to their bishop or to their parents, to talk about this issue. It's lonely. So YSA want to ask the question, how is it, how can we possibly, after all those fails, after all those attempts to quit, how can we resist and give up after we've tried so many times to fight it off? This is another great question. So when it comes down to this addiction or this challenge, we never give in. We never give up. Christ's grace is sufficient. It will save us, but we need to develop patience. There's a wonderful parable that Christ taught around how forgiveness occurs and how we need to somewhat be patient, but it's up to us and God stands there ready to receive us with open arms. It's the prodigal son. We have a father that has two sons. One stays with his father and tries to be obedient and another son wants his inheritance. He wants to go off and live a worldly life. And then one day he decides when he's run out of money, and he's got nowhere to go, nothing to eat. He returns to his father. On one level, the parable of the prodigal son is teaching us that we can never give up. No matter how bad things get, no matter how addicted we become, there is always Christ. 
There is always our Father who stands with open arms, ready, waiting, and able to receive us. There is nothing the infinite and eternal atonement of Jesus Christ cannot overcome. So we have here a son who left his father, took his inheritance, and was still able to return. He had nothing. He was destitute. He was living with the pigs. And then Christ, the father in this case, was ready and willing to receive him. He went and killed the fatted calf when he saw him coming. He gave him his ring, his cloak. So he treated him like a king. That's Christ's message to you and I. We are what he gave his life for. He came to earth to give us life and to give us salvation and to give us a chance to break the bands of death and hell that we may live again and live eternally with our Father in heaven. He performed that atonement perfectly. And the parable of the prodigal son teaches us that element. We are, in some cases, all represented in that son that left. We've all sinned. We've all gone off and done something. We've all broken a commandment. We've all acted against the will of God. And no matter how bad that action may seem, no matter how bad we beat ourselves up about whatever we've done, no matter how addicted we could become to pornography or anything else, Christ stands ready and willing to receive us. He's represented as that Father. He will give us his very best. He wants us to return. We can't and shouldn't put limitations on the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is described as infinite and eternal. It has no bounds. It has no end. We have a way back. The atonement covers us. So the next question, of course, will be, how do we return? We return by following the gospel of Jesus Christ, that straight and narrow path. That is exactly what Lehi's dream is teaching us. It is straight, it is narrow, we hold fast to that iron rod and we press forward in faith. President Hinckley said around this topic, If there be any within the sound of my voice who are viewing pornography, then may you plead with the Lord out of the depths of your soul that he will remove from you the addiction which enslaves you. Let any who may be in the grip of this vice get upon their knees in the privacy of their closet and plead with the Lord for help to free them from this evil monster. Otherwise, and this comes from President Hinckley, this vicious stain will continue through life and into eternity. So let's overcome it. Let's get to it. Let's deal with it while we're in mortality. Elder Russell M. Ballard has said, If any who is addicted has a desire to overcome, then there is a way to spiritual freedom, a way to escape from bondage, a way that is proven. It begins with prayer, sincere, reverent, and constant communication with the Creator of our spirits and bodies, our Heavenly Father. It is the same principle when breaking a bad habit or repenting from sin of any kind. The formula for having our heart, our body, our mind, and our spirit transformed is found in the scriptures. The prophet Mormon counseled, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of your heart, that you may be filled with this love, that you may become the sons of God, that you may be purified even as he is pure.
This and many other scriptures testify to us that there is hope for the addicted. And there is this hope comes from the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be free from bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help all those with addictions, seek counsel from them. When necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counsellors and LDS family services. Elder Holland gave this advice, Above all, start by separating yourself from people, materials and circumstances that will harm you. As those battling something like alcoholism know, the pull of proximity can be fatal. So too in moral matters. Like Joseph in the presence of the Potiphar's wife, just run as far as you can, get away from whatever or whomever it is that beguiles you. And please, when fleeing the scene of temptation, do not leave a forwarding address. Acknowledge that people bound by the chains of true addictions often need more help than self-help, and that may include you. Seek that help and welcome it. Talk to your bishop. Follow his counsel. Ask for a priesthood blessing. Use the church family services offerings or seek other suitable professional help. Pray without ceasing. Ask for angels to help you. Along with filters on computers and locks on affections, follow the example of Joseph of Egypt. When temptation caught him under the grip, he left the temptation and got him out. Don't accommodate any degree of temptation. Prevent sin and avoid having to deal with the inevitable destruction. So turn it off. Look away. Avoid it at all costs. Direct your thoughts in wholesome paths. Finally, do not patronize pornography. Do not use it. Do not use your purchasing power to support moral degradation. So we've had a long discussion, Bishop, about what makes pornography so damaging to the young adults, to us young adults. It's damaging. My next question is, because let's be real here, us YSA, we're getting married and sexual intimacy won't be so foreign to us anymore. So my question here is quite simply is, is pornography okay once I'm married? This is where it can get quite tricky for people to make decisions because we go from being unmarried one day to married the next. Now that which was inappropriate becomes that which is very appropriate. So what are the conditions now? What are the parameters? What does it look like? How far is too far? What's inappropriate? What's not? So while the intimate actions of a married couple behind closed doors includes sexual intimacy, does pornography have a place within that sexual intimacy? And I will say there is no question that it remains inappropriate in all forms, within our conversations, within our viewing habits, within our reading habits, within our moral compass. We can enjoy sexual intimacy with our partner. However, the dangers and the vices and the grips of pornography do not become any lesson just because we've now become married and sexual intimacy becomes more familiar to us. I would recommend avoiding it just as much as when we were single. It has no place. It does not strengthen marriages. It does not strengthen sexual intimacy. It will not support anything that's virtuous and righteous. Bishop, this next question was asked by one young adult and it is 
Should I talk to someone if I have stumbled on something quite graphic without intending to? If it was a, just a complete accident and it popped up in my face, do I need to talk to someone about that? So if we're of no fault or of, of our own, exposed to a pornographic image or clip and we reject it, exit it, if we react that way, we have not sinned. We have not acted against the will of God. So in that, there's certainly no sin, no transgression, nothing to repent of. You've given some awesome advice and, and tips and information about giving up pornography and about its effects on our lives is why I say. This next question is, what advice would you give a young adult who has someone that they are dating that views pornography? And then the second part of that question is, what about an adult who is married that has a spouse that struggles with pornography as well? What advice would you give these people? I think the main thing to remember in any instance that we become aware that someone is viewing pornography, especially if it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse, that we continue to care about their spiritual welfare. We continue to care about them. We continue to love them. When we're asked to love our neighbor as, our, as thyself, when we're asked to love God, love is not conditional upon whether or not someone is doing wrong or right things. So we just don't all of a sudden stop loving someone and caring for them and caring for their salvation and being their brother or their sister and trying to support them in their journey of spiritual growth and salvation. I think in these times where a spouse or someone we're in a relationship with is struggling with pornography, it may be the worst thing for them to punish them and to attack them and to show disregard, disrespect, and a whole lot of anger for them. We may be feeling those different emotions within ourselves, but at the end of the day, I think it's our opportunity to support them and to help them where we can. Now, people have agency, people have choices, but if people are willing to receive help, we should certainly be offering it. And even if people are somewhat hesitant, and to going for help or to receiving your help or to receive your guidance, be there for them and be patient and really act in a way that we would like other people to act for us. The primary responsibility for overcoming and addressing addictions in any scenario is our personal responsibility. We can seek for and receive help from others in that journey, but it is a burden too big to bear to expect spouses or partners to think that they can fix it, to think that they can change it, to think they alone are in control. Now, Christ is the balm of Gilead. Christ has and can bear that burden. He alone is the perfect Messiah, the anointed one, the mediator. And when we attach to him and go to him for that healing balm, 
He will extend it, and His graces are sufficient for us. We cannot do it alone, and partners cannot do it for us. So a message to both, either we're the one with the addiction or we have a spouse or a friend with an addiction. We can't fix this alone. None of us are alone in this journey, and none of us need to. So we have each other. We have priesthood leaders. We have our Savior, Jesus Christ, to support us. And that is what we need to do when we find ourselves, a spouse, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, struggling with any trial, including the trial of addictions and pornography. We go to Christ. We seek His love. We seek His grace. We plead for His atoning sacrifice to be alive in our lives. And He will come running to succor us. That is His commitment. That is His promise. That was His life. That was His mission. This is His purpose. He stands with open arms, ready to receive us, ready to support us. And of that I bear testimony in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Doubt Not, Fear Not podcast series has been produced out of the Auckland Institute building with contributions from young adults across New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend to direct others to this podcast or listen to other episodes in this series or to enroll in the Institute class associated with the podcast. See our website at doubtnotfearnot.podbean.com. This recording is not an official publication of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The views expressed are those of the participants and are neither the official doctrine nor the official teachings of the Church.